just happening. We're going straight into it. Hi, hello. My name is McKinley Mayer. Um, I am here. I am ready. I mean, this is it. I've I've created a podcast. I jumped on that bandwagon and it's it's phenomenal. I've worked really hard on it. It's an idea that I've had for sort of a long time, depending on your definition of a long time. Quarantine really uh, kind of pushed this. And so it took a while, took a little bit, but I am thrilled to be doing this. This is, we're just gonna dive into it. It's, it's time, you guys. It's finally happening for those few of you who know what I'm talking about. Um, it's Espresso Enigmas and Extraordinary Evils. My new podcast, it's a brand new podcast. I talk about my favorite coffees and kind of discuss some spooky shit, murders, oddities, stuff like that. Quick kind of just an FYI. This does talk about death. This does talk about murder. This does talk about scary bad things. I talk about it in a lighthearted way, not trying to make fun of anything or joke about it. I think that recently there's become a very niche group i don't know but there's so many murder podcasts uh so many true crime podcasts it's phenomenal i love it if you like true crime hopefully you'll like this it'll be great no matter what i'm glad you're here i'm glad you're listening And when kind of thinking about what I wanted to do for a podcast, I know I wanted to do true crime. I've studied anthropology and criminology um, for my undergrad, and I'm currently doing forensic death investigation. So I've always really loved true crime, really loved that kind of field of whatever. It's been super interesting. I love investigation. I love the legal side of it. It's so cool, so interesting. I didn't really know how to stand out. I didn't know how to be different because there are, like I said before, a lot of true crime podcasts, which is great. I love them. Keep them coming. I hope everyone does a true crime podcast because they're so much fun. They're really cool and so informative. So informative, which I really like. So I decided to do a coffee talk murder podcast because who doesn't love coffee and who doesn't love murder? And if you don't like either of those things, you're probably in the wrong place. But if you're here for support and just for fun and just to try it out, that's awesome. So cool. We're just heading into the fall season and I can't wait for the weather to start getting colder. I'm I'm based out of Utah and according to Utah, if you, if you live here, you know that the weather can be all over the place. So we've still had really hot weather even going into October. So... I just really want it to get cold. It's too warm. It's too hot right now. And I just, it's so great to just curl up with a cup of coffee, some tea, hot cocoa, a beer, whatever works for you. Just like curl up, get cozy, get your favorite drink, drink it and listen to some spooky shit. That's why we're here. It's all I've ever wanted to do. It's all I want to do all day, every day. So here we are. Welcome, welcome to your new favorite podcast. All right, let's dive in. So Espresso Enigmas and Extraordinary Evils, welcome. I'm your host, McKinley Mayer. That's weird to say, super awesome. I'm doing it, you guys. Anyways, okay, I wanna start off by saying um, this is not an ad, so when I talk about coffee, 
I'm not <laughs> sponsoring them or anything. I just genuinely love coffee and want to talk about it all the time. I drink it all the time, so I thought might as well drink it and review it. The majority of the coffees I will be trying on this podcast are going to be brand new, so I will not have tried them before. Unless they're really good and I've had them before, then maybe we'll sprinkle them in. So this week, I'm trying Bones Coffee Company. Perfect fitting. Again, I don't... They don't sponsor me, but if they wanted to, that'd be fantastic. But but they just have, it's a skeleton holding a coffee cup, drinking coffee in some plants. And it's like, that is literally similar to my logo. And that's why they caught my eye. I literally was like, damn, look at them. It, we're made for each other. The thing that just really drew me in, again, the fact that they give you free stickers and they have a skeleton, so awesome so they have a shit ton of flavors i have not tried them all nor will i be able to try them all there are pages and pages of flavors probably some of their classic ones but also probably a ton of new ones they have their fall like collection or whatever collection of coffees whatever it's called but they have shark bite which is spice buttered rum jack o'lantern jacked o'lantern excuse me it's pumpkin spice of course maple bacon s'mores strawberry shortcake no cheesecake what even better i'm just peanut butter and jelly cookies and vanilla okay <laughs> so a lot going on so kind of some unusual flavors but they also have some plain single origin coffee i'm sure that's great too honestly so um i ended up getting the pumpkin spice because I love pumpkin spice and it's fall and I'm a slut for some pumpkin spice. I hate when people say, oh, that's so basic. I'm like, it's good. It's just good is what it is. So everyone get off their high horse. If you like pumpkin spice, great. If you don't, I don't judge you for it. But that's what I'm trying. So it's one of their most popular flavors. It looks amazing. I'm actually going to go brew it right now. So it's fresh. I haven't even brewed it yet. I haven't even smelled it. I haven't even tried it. I'm going to take a quick break and I'll be right back. I was going to give it just a couple minutes while I actually brewed this, but I just, I'm, the smell is intoxicating. I, it's like a tiny bit of chocolate. I know it's pumpkin spice. I'm doing the like underlying flavors. Pumpkin pie is what it smells like, like homemade real pumpkin pie where you use those little pie pumpkins you get from the store and you made your own. I don't know if you can hear Dot. She's crying right now. She thinks I'm holding treats because she hears the crinkle. Thinks that's, that means treats. It's not. It's coffee. You don't like it, I promise. This smells so good. I want to try it, just like dip my finger in it and try it, but I know that's not how coffee works or how... It won't taste good if I do that. So I will be right back again and actually brew this. I just had to say, I love it. Anyways, I will be right back for reals this time. Okay, welcome back. Welcome. I have my murder that I'm gonna talk about. I am ready. Let's, let's just dive in to the evils and enigmas. 
So I thought that I would just get into the murder and talk about that and let my coffee brew. And then once that's ready, we'll go back to that and get into the coffee as well. So I was trying to decide what enigma or evil or thing uh, I wanted to talk about. Not only today, um, but in general throughout my podcast. So I decided I wanted to try to do something a tiny bit different and focus at least a good chunk of the episodes of a good chunk of my time on my good old home state um utah i think is not always featured in a lot of things although we are home to a lot of killers (laughs) um maybe because i live here i'm exposed to it more not the actual killers but the history behind the serial killers and the crimes and you know I'm exposed to it more so I see it and hear about it more but it seems like Utah is has got something for the killers we have pun pun not intended because the killers are from Utah I think but uh, funny anyways Serial killers just seem to pop up here or stop here or hang out or are from here. It's a, it's a thing. So starting off, we're going to cover murders and perplexities and stuff here in Utah. So it'll be great. Um, and this week specifically, I'm covering the murder suicides of the family of David. It's Utah's worst mass family murder ever. It's considered a murder-suicide because of the actions by the parents that led to the deaths of not only themselves, but their seven children as well. The sources for this, because I'm trying to cover all my bases, I don't want to take credit for doing all of this research myself. I'm just compiling it for you. Murderpedia, of course. If you haven't seen it, it's amazing. You just, any murder, they gotcha. The Washington Post had a really good article on this. The Deseret News as well. That's a local Utah uh, news site. Feel free to look into this more, read into it. There are amazing original articles from the 1970s, which is when this takes place. So getting into it, we're going to do some background. Bruce Longo was born in 1938 in Yonkers, New York, wherever that is. Um, He was the oldest of three boys, the son of a really well-to-do established uh, physician, doctor there. Pretty well-to-do, had some money. Um, And his family wasn't really religious. They would go to Episcopalian church every Sunday, and Bruce kind of became really pulled in. He really loved it. He was an altar boy there. He was also known for having what they call a sweet tongue, uh, and he was notorious for convincing people of extraordinary things bizarre random crap that no one would believe otherwise but somehow he convinced people of it um he would come up with these wild excuses to get him out of trouble for anything when he was five he threatened to run away when his mom didn't pay enough attention to him uh not only did bruce make good on his threat but he convinced a police officer to give him money to take a bus and taxi to his grandfather's house where he was treated better (laughs) okay at 17 he joined the army and went directly to korea after he went to fort bragg's in north carolina and trained as a paratrooper 
There he met some Mormon soldiers and started to go to church and seriously reading the Book of Mormon, which is the text of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, if you don't know what that is. About 20 years later in 1959, he was discharged and went home to go tell his parents about his new religion. Longo became fanatical, according to his family. He claimed that through the church, he had the answer to everything. He memorized a bunch of the Book of Mormon, which would be like memorizing the Bible. Hard to do, but he had a quote for every situation, any occasion. And he would point out family members and proclaim them uh, as unworthy souls and would doom them to hell, pretty much. Longo later enrolled in Brigham Young University in Utah as a Spanish major and met and uh, dated a Swedish woman named Marguerite Erickson. Uh, she had been baptized in the church when she was at eight, 18 years old in Sweden. Uh, she apparently was a very soft-spoken uh, young woman who didn't question anything. You could tell her something and she just believed it. Longo, not long after meeting Erickson, declared that he had a revelation from God that said she was meant to be his wife. She didn't question it. She was like, sure, yeah, I'll drop out of school and become a full-time wife and mom. There, she, there it goes. Great for her. They eventually had seven children, Elizabeth, Rachel, Joshua, Deborah, Joseph, David, and Rebecca. After he graduated, uh, that's apparently when all of the peculiar things began to happen and his interesting revelations began. Longo told friends and fellow churchgoers that he was having revelations directly from God and that he was going to be the key figure as the head of the church. He blessed his first son to be a prophet, which if you know anything actually about most religions, that's not how it works. You don't get to just declare yourself the head of a church. And so he demanded tithing to be paid directly to him. And in 1969, after the church condemned his actions uh, and he wouldn't repent for it, he was excommunicated, which means he was just kicked out of the church due to irreconcilable differences, apparently. So he's kicked out of a religion he's loved and thought he was going to be uh, the head of. So in 1970, he decided to rebrand himself. Uh, rebrand. Rename. Rename is the word I mean. He renamed himself, legally changed his name to Emmanuel David because he believed he was the descendant from the biblical house of David. His wife was renamed Rebecca. I think that's kind of funny because that means they're two youngest kids. Maybe they had them after he changed his name, likely so, but it just means his youngest son's name is David David and... Uh, it's, it's fine. David David. That's a name. He and his family uh, lived in a commune in Manti, Utah. I don't even know where that is. I think it's south. I, I don't know. I've lived here my whole life. I don't know where that is. But they lived with a group that ran a knife factory and sold knives for a living. And a neighbor who lived in the commune claimed that David, 
who now was bearded and had long hair and was apparently getting fat. And that's according to the articles, by the way. Carried a three and a half foot sword with him everywhere, just in case the prophesied time came when it would be needed to lob off thousands of heads. So just casual, just what your everyday, everyday David does, you know? Over the next eight years, he developed an anti-Mormon cult, and David drew in a small number of devout followers and proclaimed himself to be God the Father himself in the flesh, and at times also proclaimed to be Jesus Christ and the Holy Ghost, all three at once. While still proclaiming to be God, the family of David moved out of the commune and started moving around the country, hotel to hotel, at nice hotels, really nice high-end places, paying large amounts of cash up front at any given time. And David would pay a lot of money up front and then would wait to be kicked out for non-payment. They would rack up huge high bills and then not pay it. Um, let's see. All right, I think my coffee is done. So I need to go get that grab a good cup of it and I will be right back and we'll do some coffee talk and then get back into the murder of course and I'm back I have my coffee freshly brewed super piping hot it's amazing let me just talk about the smell really quick it smells like Christmas I know it should smell like Halloween but it fits it's fine I get the pumpkin but there's it's like almost like cider smell. Could be completely wrong. Mmm. It's like a little bit of citrus. Definitely cinnamon, of course. I don't know. I'll have to try in just a second. So I'm starting to do this thing with the podcast. So alongside of it, where I take notes on the coffee and then I will upload it either to Instagram or that's it. My my website. By the way, I have a website. I forgot to say that. But Instagram, my website, the whole shebang. Um, so I give you kind of a rundown of my thoughts on it. Could sway you one way or the other. You might not give a shit. That's okay. So I'm going to do that as I try it. So it'll be awesome. Kind of scared. It's kind of hot. Oh, 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 I can't stop saying that. It's, it's strong. That might've been just how I brewed it though. Okay, a little acidic right off the bat, but the flavor, everything I was smelling, I taste, which is kind of different because even that little bit of citrus, I definitely taste that. And I was not expecting that from the pumpkin spice. Mm. I don't know if you can hear Dot, but she's crying to be let in. So let me let her in. Ooh, that's delicious. Come on. Crazy. Dot, I'm doing a podcast. It's not your podcast. It's mine. You can't cry all the time during it. Okay. So um, citrusy for sure. A um, little bit of that chocolate, like I was saying. It's not really, it's not a blonde for sure. It's not light, light roast. It's, 
but way smoother than uh, like French. Oof. It's good. It's good. I'm I'm drinking it without anything in it, which is how you should drink your coffee. You can add stuff in later, but right off the bat, you should always try your coffee completely plain. That's my preference. If you don't like coffee, if you're starting on coffee and you're trying to like it, add milk, creamer, sugar, sweetener, anything. Load it up because black coffee right off the bat, it's hard to like it's it's an acquired taste as everyone knows but this is this is good this is good this is i'm gonna reorder for sure because i know i'm gonna use it way too fast this is the perfect coffee and i say that now it could change after i drink it every day for the next month or if i find one that i like even better but this is the perfect cold day coffee where this makes you feel all warm and cozy, not only because it's hot, but because it like makes you feel like it's fall, the holidays are coming up, as in Halloween. Happy Halloween, everyone. It's October. And this is great. Mmm. Mmm. Okay, I'll stop sipping into the mic, but I'm a fan. You done good, Bone Company. Bones Coffee Company, whatever you're called. This, they did it right. Okay, uh, now that I have my coffee, and it's so delicious, I love it. Okay, we can get back into it. Uh, where were we? Yes, okay, so... The family of David would travel all over the country, staying at really expensive hotels and racking up huge bills and then get kicked out because they wouldn't actually pay it. So sometimes they'd owe between 1000 and 10000 each time, which I looked it up is about five to $40,000. Could you imagine staying at a hotel and they're like, sorry, you have to leave, you have $40,000. And then just piecing out and going to a different hotel. Oh, oh boy. Anyways, the family of David settled it back in Salt Lake City after living all over the country. The family of David settled in the 11th floor Alta Suite at International Dunes Hotel in Salt Lake City. Uh, in a phone call to his mom at one point, he bragged about the amount of money he had and the extremely lavish life he was living when his mom asked where on where he was getting his money because he wasn't really working um he would just say you'll see you'll see so the source of all this money was actually under investigation by the fbi at the time and many people believe that he was actively committing fraud multiple uh followers in his little cult were arrested after David's death for committing fraud. Oh, spoiler. I think I told you at the beginning, but they all die. So after he died, a lot of people were found out that they were committing fraud and that's how they have money. Many speculate that this is the reason the investigation itself is what brought him to commit suicide. Because on August 1st, 1978, Manuel David borrowed a car 
drove into the mountains above Salt Lake City, and committed suicide. He was dead, carbon monoxide poisoning. He connected a hose from his car, the back of his car, through a cracked window and stuffed rags around it. I might, I might cut that out. Do people know how to do that? I don't want to tell people how to do that. Anyways, um, so there are some theories that maybe he actually didn't commit suicide. And he was actually killed and it was made to look like a suicide. Some so-called evidence to this is the fact that he bought lavish items for himself and his family right before his death. And he was waiting on them and really wanted certain items. Nice high-end stuff. The last person to see him alive named Skip Danes. He was actually a missionary from the same mission as David back when he was calling himself Bruce Longo. But the last person to see him alive, Skip, lent him a truck just out of the blue last minute. Emmanuel David burst into Dane's music store in Salt Lake City and looked very scared, very worried, and demanded to use a truck. I mean, I say so-called evidence, though, because that's what there is. He looked scared and looked like he was running from his life. Running for his life is what I mean to say. There, there really isn't any evidence that anyone was after David, but the sudden turning character from a cal- calm, godly man to like a terrified, worried dude who looks scared for his life, maybe, maybe that's evidence of something. I, I do have to say probably one of two things happened, or I guess his thought process. I, he didn't actually think he was God. I mean... If you actually think you're God, I think at this point we all understand he had, it was a charade. He, he was putting up a facade. We know that. You wouldn't actually kill yourself with carbon monoxide poisoning if you thought you were God. You would be like, I am powerful. I cannot die. I feel like he would just let the FBI show up and pretend or think you can't touch me. Like bow before me or some shit. I don't know. So I think the FBI were catching on to him and his act was starting to fade. And he's like, ah, shit, I better go kill myself because I can't handle whatever fraud punishment is. Or he didn't actually think he was God and he was being threatened by someone who's mad about all the money he stole, which I guess could be true as well. Either way, it was all an act. He killed himself because he was scared of something, whether that's punishment from the FBI or retaliation for stealing all that money. One of those things. A few days after he died, his body was found and his family was notified via telephone. It's reported that Rebecca sounded very excited and only mildly concerned about her husband's apparent suicide, while also stating that the family would continue to pay their bills on time. She emphasized that. The family of David then closed themselves off in their suite at the hotel for the rest of the evening. A couple days later, so on the morning of August 3rd, at 7.21 a.m., she gathered the family on the balcony of their 11th story suite and began helping her children off the balcony, dropping them over 200 feet to the roof of the hotel coffee shop below. A few of the older children jumped voluntarily and the last few children were thrown off by the mom when all of her kids had fallen 
by now people are on the street below. They've seen it. They're watching this tragedy unfold. First-hand accounts of people who saw it said the older children jumped themselves. They climbed over the railing and jumped. Some people were saying that they could hear the smaller kids screaming that they didn't want to go and they were holding the railing and they were still thrown off. But after all of her kids had fallen, onlookers chanted, jump, 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 to Rebecca, wanting the lady to kill herself after witnessing her toss her children over. Police and emergency services quickly arrived and discovered three of the children were alive. Alive after falling 11 stories. They were swiftly taken to different hospitals in the area where all but one died almost immediately. Hold on, Dot's crying. Pets, I swear. Okay, let's see. Rachel David... I think the oldest child, I think I read that, she was 15 at the time, survived. She had broken both legs, had multiple injuries to her pelvis, arms, jaw, teeth, tongue, shoulders, and spleen. Salt Lake City Police Lieutenant Roger Kinnersley said that it was about as bad as you could possibly get and not be dead. Survived. 11 stories. Almost a week later, the funeral was held uh, in a small town south of Salt Lake City. It was not a private funeral, but almost no one showed up. No one. So there were eight gray caskets for the parents and the children who died. And the Longo family were there, as in uh, Bruce Longo's family, his his parents and everything his siblings a couple other random people also showed up the children should have should at least have someone to be here when they're buried a woman apparently whispered she was worried that no one would show up for the kids rachel david was in the hospital for months after the incident and became confined to a wheelchair and is residing at an undisclosed location with a family member Apparently on her mom's side. Oh, I almost forgot about my coffee. Mm. Oh, God, that's so good. Oh, my God. I just got to take a second. Yeah. This is good stuff. Okay, anyways, getting back into it. She was initially put in foster care. Then a family member on her mom's side was able to take her in. In 1993... In an interview with Inside Edition, she had never done an interview before, never talked to anyone about this. So it was the first time in 1993. She said in an interview, I remember my father said he will be back, and I know he will. My father never lied. She also claimed she jumped willingly because of her death and those of her family were ordained by God, her father. So she thought it was a calling to kill herself since 1978 she's continued to try to follow the so-called ordinance and has attempted to kill herself many times the international dunes hotel was renamed to the shiloh inn and then rebranded again as a holiday inn express and sits on the corner of 200 south and west temple 
in a poll held in 2014, it was named Salt Lake City's ugliest building. <laughs> it's not funny. It's a sad place, but literally got named ugliest building. Uh, those of you who are from Salt Lake or the surrounding area, um, you might remember the really shitty hotel that had the neon uh, red lights around it. Um, it looked like a wannabe Vegas, mini Vegas, sad hotel here in Salt Lake City. I don't know if people remember that, but it's been a while. But I do remember that bright red neon. And I actually live pretty close to this building right now. I drive past the Holiday Inn almost every day. There are really great bars right, I think under it even, right next to it. Some of my favorite places. So I walk past it all the time. I've never really thought about it. And now that I've done all the research for this, it kind of gives me the chill. You can see exactly the same hotel coffee shop is there. Uh, well, maybe it's not the same, but the building is there. You can see where they landed. It's, whew. Oh, boy. Yeah. You genuinely wouldn't know uh, something horrific happened there or that there was anything spooky or anything. But even so, with it looking super normal now, it's become a very popular with Friends of the Occult. It's listed as uh, a haunted building in Salt Lake in Utah. And apparently, people have claimed to hear laughter and mumbling from around the pool in the pinball, pinball machines. And the game machines even play themselves. It's kind of ironic, though, because the children of the family of David apparently were not allowed to play games. They didn't do anything outside of their, their suite of the apartment in the hotel. They didn't swim, they didn't play games, nothing like that. So maybe the ghosts of the children are there playing the games now because they weren't allowed to before. Maybe. Anyways, honestly, taking it all in and really thinking about it, I feel so bad for those children. It's hard to imagine. It's, it's kind of such a distant thought that you initially hear it and you're like, oh, that's horrible. But it's so disturbing. It's so hard to comprehend that even to this day, I mean, I guess I don't technically know if Rachel's alive, but she could be. What if she still thinks that? It's, it's wild to me that after all these years, she could be alive. She'd be almost 78. I can't do math. I don't know. How many how many years is that? I don't know when she's how old she was. 15 when it happened. Someone do the math. Anyway, she'd be like almost 60 or something. Maybe she still thinks that. Crazy. I don't know. Could be true. I don't know. Anyways, I hope she's doing okay. You know, alive or not, wherever she is, whatever she's doing, what a terrible thing to go through. And, you know, even as she was getting older, she claims that she still believes it and she can believe it if she wants. But taking away someone's agency like that, even as a parent and throwing your kids or forcing your kids or convincing your kids to kill themselves is terrible. It's atrocious. It's heartbreaking, honestly. It's, it's sad. Anyways, that is the murder-suicides of the family of David, the biggest murder suicide of Utah by a long shot. I mean, six murders at least. I'm counting all the kids as murders. 
one attempted murder, because one survived, and two suicides. Oh, and that's, and that's the story. That's the story for you guys. Okay, so in all honesty, obviously, this is a very new podcast. I'm very new to podcasting. I've never done it before. Uh, I've been working quite hard on it, and I really want to be able to share this with everyone because I know there are true crime junkies out there like me. There are coffee junkies out there like me. I see you. I am you. We are you. What? You're not alone is what I'm saying. That came out really creepy, but we are you. Anyways, follow me on social media. I'm on Instagram. It's Extraordinary Evils. Please, 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 please check out my website too. I worked really hard on it. I did it all myself and I am not, I'm so tech challenged. It's wild, but it's extraordinaryevils.wixsite.com slash podcast. That's a mouthful. Someday I'll have my own uh, domain free version. And I have information about the murders I talk about and all my sources and photos. Uh, and also talk about the coffee brands and have links to their websites. So you can all check it out yourself. All of my social, everything. It's Extraordinary Evils. Espresso Enigmas and Extraordinary Evils. While an awesome name and I'm going to keep it forever. Um, it's way too long to fit into any uh, domain or username at all. It didn't really think through that. So I had to shorten it a bit. So extraordinary evils is kind of like a fun, the fun catchphrase of it. Catchphrase? Whatever. Ah, it's, it's short, sweet, and easy to find. So please follow me. Look out for new things. Again, information about it. It's, you can find it. You're, you'll know how to find it. Um, and it means so much to me that you're here and you made it this far through the podcast. There'll be more content coming up. It'll just keep on coming. If you liked what you've heard so far, please consider finding me on Patreon. I'm going to set that up soon. Oh, it sounds so cringy trying to plug myself. Um, Forget I said that, but maybe don't because it would be great. Please rate, subscribe, review. I don't, I don't know all the things you do with podcasts. I don't know. Wherever you can find podcasts, I'm also on my website. So if you want to listen to it directly on my website, you can do that. This is awesome. I'm going to keep doing this. Drink some coffee. uh, And it's going to be fantastic. You all are amazing. And I'll meet you right back here this time next week. So stay caffeinated and get spooked, y'all. Hey, guys. Just another really quick thing. Is a really good friend of mine, Reem, also has a podcast called LOL Adulthood, where she talks about lots of different topics, really important topics with lots of different people. And she has a new episode coming out, if it's not out already, episode four, where she and I and another individual, Liam, talk about the afterlife. It was a really cool discussion, and I would love for you all to check out not only that episode, but the whole podcast. Well, that is it, you guys. Thank you so much for listening to the first episode of Espresso Enigmas and Extraordinary Evils. It has been a blast. I hope that you keep listening. And please remember to drink your espresso and to stay extraordinary, but not extraordinarily evil.